0: Welcome back to the Expats in Sweden podcast brought to you by Turning Point, a Swedish International Counseling Center here in Stockholm. I am your host, Veronica Lax, and I am also a therapist and the owner of Turning Point. We really want to thank all our listeners. We've really enjoyed um, doing the podcast. We're going to take a summer break. Um... But we'll be back in the fall. And please write to us if you have any suggestions for future episodes. Today we're going to talk about job hunting in Sweden as an expat. I know that I meet a lot of clients that uh, struggle if they come here without a job uh, and try to find or continue on their career path. And sometimes it seems to require you to take a step back. You have to learn the language sometimes. Uh, there are international companies here, but it can be very difficult in the job market. So we're going to hear from Crystal Pottinger, who is a career coach. Uh, she's from France, came here originally with her family because she had a job opportunity here. And then we're going to also listen to Samara, who is an expat from America and shares her experience of coming here and having to take a step back and, um, you know, start almost like from scratch again in one way and stay tuned.
1: Hi, everyone. Uh, so my name is Crystal Pottinger. I am a career coach. I also do some leadership coaching, but mostly career coaching, and uh, I've been I've been living in Sweden for eight years or here in Stockholm, uh, but I've been coaching for about two years. Uh, and I think this is uh, really interesting because I came with my work. So my integration into the Swedish job market was really easy, um, but it got more complicated when it, I decided to change career and um so to try to establish myself into a new industry. And then I think I faced a lot of the issues that most uh, expats face when they arrive in Sweden and don't have a job. So maybe we can discuss a bit about that today.
0: Yeah, let, let's hear about that. I mean, so so explain your background work is in what field?
1: So I arrived uh, from London. I mean, I'm French from nationality, but I lived in London for about uh, 10, 10 years. And I was working there for one of a big international French company in the spirits and alcohol industry. Uh, and there was a job opportunity here in Stockholm, which I took and decided to come over with my family. And I was working in marketing at the time. So I had a good experience, and I mean the transition from the London office to the Stockholm office has been really easy for me. Mm. Uh, there was a bit of a culture transition, but uh, ultimately it was fairly, fairly straightforward. Mm. And and after having that position, I then I changed job. I think two or three years later, uh, working for a marketing agency, and then I changed job again a year and a half later to go back into the into the cl- on the client side, also, always in marketing. Uh, and what I realized with uh, insight, because it had been really easy to get those jobs, I realized that maybe it was easy because uh, I, people knew people who knew me. And that I only realized afterwards what part it might have played in the in me getting these positions. Uh, and we can talk uh, we can talk more about networking and the importance of knowing people and how to do that because I think that's one of the crucial parts in the in the job search. In uh, my last position in marketing, so I decided that it had been in my mind for a long time that maybe marketing was not where I want what I wanted to continue with for the next 25 years of my career. And I really enjoyed like developing people and working with my team and making sure that they get the most out of their job. So I decided to to try out coaching. So I took a coaching course and starting to, to coach alongside my uh, my my current job. And then and then finally, I think 2019, decided to dedicate myself to coaching. Uh, and that was a big uh jump in the unknown Uh, and this is where I realized that actually I don't know anyone in this industry they don't know me uh, and uh, and that is what I need to solve (laughs) first and foremost so uh, that has been really the yeah the, the realization that uh, it's very much uh, success depends very much on building a community around you of like people in your field that understand your strength and your experience and uh, will think of you when something comes up. Um,
0: okay. So you're saying that you have, will have some kind of network if you're going to help somebody find a job Okay. Yeah.
1: So when I uh, when I coach people now, uh, I mean I coach expats. Uh, I don't speak that good Swedish that I can t- coach the Swedes, and and uh, yeah, my um, my clients are mostly foreigners coming to Sweden and trying to either find a job or change career and want some support um, to, to get there. Usually, people when they search for a job. They usually try by themselves and then maybe don't get the results that they expected, struggle to get interviews, uh, feel like their CV is not being, being seen. And then they, they come to me to try to figure out what it is that they are doing wrong. Mm. And uh, and we work together on, on CVs understanding the job ads and so on. But I always advise um, advise people to, to have two strategies. I can, don't limit yourself to applying for jobs uh, because you're competing with sometimes hundreds of applicants that might be a better fit than you. You don't know. So you can have sort of better control of your job search if you add another strategy, which is networking. So that's that's about identifying the companies and the people that you are interested in. Uh, Building a relationship with uh, investing time to get to know them and for them to get to know you without necessarily knowing if that would lead you somewhere, mm-hmm. and that's the tricky part about networking is that it's not an instant result. It's not the same as I apply for a position, I get an interview, I get a second interview, and things move fast. When you're or in in the best cases <laughs> uh, with networking. You reach out to a lot of people. You don't know when they're going to get back to you, if they would want to meet with you, if they're going to be interested in you, if you're going to build a good rapport with this person and whether it will lead you to a job or not. So it's uh, it's more long-term, uh, but I think it's it's beneficial to anyone's career. Uh, and you you never know. Uh, something might come up Uh but it's good. I think it's, it's a very important thing to, to do. Mm. You know, they, they say, I think it's Fesik uh, Franskjason that published something to say that like, I think 80% of the positions in Sweden are not advertised. So you only see the tip of the iceberg. There are a lot of other positions available that goes to people who know people.
0: Right, internal as well. You know, yeah, networking. it could be internal mm.
1: to companies. It could be people saying to their friends and colleagues, "Do you know someone who would fit that description?" And then they find them through that network. So mm. uh, you need to be in those networks. You need you need to be part of those communities. Um, I
0: remember when I got out of college, and I don't know if my parents sent me to some kind of course to how to find a job and apply. And, and now I'm, I, I don't know if most of the career coached trainings are based on an American uh, approach. Um, Cause there, I mean, sometimes when I share my, my experience with Swedes, they're like, wow, I would never do things like that. I mean, it, we're very uh, forward and I remember like having to call companies and, you know, cold calling sort of, and, you know, getting the word out, sending my resume, following up. There's all these strategies. I remember that you had to do sending thank you letters, and yeah, is it like that? I mean, and and is there a cultural difference now in Sweden? You know, with that approach, I'm just curious because it can. I know the Swedes could find maybe that would be we might be too assertive or too forward. It might be too much. I don't know.
1: Uh, yeah, it can be i think it really depends how it is done and uh, and i think also everybody's different and each person needs to find the way that uh, that works for them and that also something that i, I learned when uh, i started this the coaching business and i had to you know prospect and it's a, in a way it's the same as networking and i really felt oh I, <laughs> I feel really uncomfortable with that i'm i'm quite introverted and uh, I don't like to sell myself, and and it took me a while to realize that uh, okay, these big events, you know, they are not for me. That was pre-COVID, of course. Uh, these conferences where you introduce yourself in front of people—that's not for me. I, I, that, you know, I'm I much prefer, you know, one-to-one. I much prefer smaller groups. So I, I had to figure out that I don't have to push myself to do really things that makes me super uncomfortable the question was like is it a culture is there a culture difference and do the swedes find it uh, too forceful so yeah i think it really depends how you do it and i think you can't just go out there and say do you have a job for me i think that's that's not the right position the right um, approach to have and people will say no and the conversation will be over so you will not have built any kind of relationship with that person so I think being curious, being open-minded, being uh, mindful of the time and what people can give you in return uh, is really important. I think whether they're Swedes or any other nationalities, generally people want to help others. So it's just finding the right level so people can help you. Yeah, I don't think that's answered your question.
0: And so your experience over these two years, um, tell me about the clients that you've been working with. How has it been, you know, working as a career coach? And how have people found you? Did you start networking in the expat community? Have you had friends in the expat community?
1: So I have a sort of advertised we could say uh, in different, uh, yeah, in different groups. Especially, I use a lot of Facebook uh, because there are a lot of um, expat groups, um, support groups, and uh, I have always tried to my approach to be not saying here yeah, you have a, a job search, you should come and find me, but more trying to find what is the right advice to give people. Or to share an article that I wrote, or always try to bring value. And I, you know, my way of selling myself is not being forceful and not saying you know, I'm the best. I'm going to find you the miracle job that you've been looking for. It's that's really not my approach, but really trying to show that I can, I have things that can help them. And then if they if they're willing to to try, and um, we can maybe work together. Uh, being French, I work a lot with the French community as well. Uh, and um, now people uh, Google it's from Google that people find me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there there is actually quite a lot of help out there, also free, with uh, a lot of organizations that have offers CV supports and networking opportunities and things like that, and that people are not always aware of. So you don't necessarily always have to go all the way to to a career coach, um, but it's also finding the rights. Yeah. The support that you need at that time. Mm. And sometimes it's a small thing that you need to change your, uh, the way you think about your job search and how you do things. Mm. Okay.
0: Um, so what about the, the barrier with the language barrier? Um, if you don't speak Swedish,
1: So if you don't speak Swedish, uh, of course, you are much more limited. Uh, And if you don't speak Swedish, you also need to realize that you are competing with Swedes as well. So it's not as if the competition is narrower, because they are only looking at international people. Um, What I have seen, I have seen two different different kinds of experience with learning Swedish. Uh, They are the the, uh, expats that come here and that decide that they will focus on learning Swedish the first year. And they put all their energy and all their efforts in joining classes, speaking, meeting Swedes, um, really trying to carve, you know, (laughs) their place in the Swedish society. And I would say that these seem to be the ones that have the greatest uh, success in learning Swedish, being able to speak it every day and can use it at work. And then there are the ones like me, (laughs) who've been living here many years and uh, constantly try to add a bit of Swedish in their lives and maybe have done a few courses here and there and think that, okay, once I get a job, I will sign up for a course. And then, you know, maybe it, it it takes more time and it's slower um but that, that's really it depends i think on everyone's experience but yes it does limit you to not speak swedish uh and this is also what i decided to also you know put put an effort into that this year because i also realized that i'm really limiting myself and uh, and do i want to if I, I if i'm here to stay and i want to have the more opportunities in the future i really need to to go over that barrier uh, so it really depends it means that people can be out of work for uh, a, a year to learn the language is not, not everyone can can afford to do that hmm.
0: right but i mean you came here without learning the language and you were able you got a job when you moved here but what about your partner did your partner also get a job here or
1: no it's it's been a lot more difficult for for him um uh, my husband is British, and I don't know if because they are living on an island, or if it's just particular to him. But uh, integrating has been uh, has been harder, and I think not working makes integration more difficult. Uh, now he's working uh, uh, as a tennis coach, but he doesn't speak Swedish uh, at all. Uh, but so I think he doesn't
0: it, need to as a working as a tennis coach, right? No,
1: he, he doesn't, doesn't really need to. Hmm. Uh, but the learning Swedish has never really been a priority for him. Uh, so I think we have different, we have different agenda. For me, even if I didn't maybe put as much effort as I should, it's always on my agenda. I always think I will speak Swedish. It has to happen <laughs> at some point. Now I think that this. Now I'm on a better track than maybe a year ago. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I think different. Some people it just just found it too difficult to learn languages, and there are possibilities to work here without without speaking Swedish. Of course, uh, there are plenty of international companies. There are plenty of companies that also. Smaller companies that are looking to to expand abroad, I think that's what something the Swedes are really good at. They they don't limit themselves to the Swedish market. They often start in Sweden and then very fast look into how can we expand in Europe or in the US. Right. So that means that there are a lot of positions that require other languages um, that don't require to speak Swedish. Um, so of, of course it's possible, but they are fewer than if you take the whole market, and uh, and the competition can be can be tough.
0: Right. Um, but what I do notice is that you can even go to restaurants these days, and the the waiter speaks only English. Um, that that I notice. Mm. Um, so it seems like it's becoming more cosmopolitan or metropolitan and international and things like that. So, um, I think
1: that's probably very, very much in Stockholm. I don't know if that's true in the whole of Sweden. Right. That's true. I think Stockholm Mm -hmm. is very international and I think they also, I don't know if it's hard to recruit. Uh, waiters and the, so they are open to have non-Swedish speakers and,
0: and well, the language
1: conversation is also limited Well I can
0: <laughs> just tell everybody right now what I, I understood my brother owns a restaurant um, that a lot of people because of the pandemic who were waiters before have you know gone back to school or changed careers mm-hmm. so uh, anybody out there who speaks only English look at jobs at restaurants because they need people if you need, (laughs) I just thought about that, but anyway. Okay. So that's, that's really interesting. Um, so that seems like there are a lot of possibilities for people, even if they haven't learned Swedish yet, that there are jobs that would be fine to just speak English or another language. There's some people that hire, you know, a German speaking Mm. person or, um, so what I was going to ask you, so are you thinking then that you're going to be here for a long time in Sweden?
1: Yes, we have. We when we came here, we were thinking, well, maybe it will be a year or two, and then we move back or move elsewhere. And then after having a second child here, and after four or five years, we we, we decided, okay, this is still where we want to be, or are we just um, you know tagging along. <laughs> So we we evaluated again all the options and made a conscious decision to be here until at least our children have finished um, uh, secondary school. So when they they can be a bit more independent and then we can reconsider our choices. Mm. So, yes, we will be here for for a while and very happy to be here.
0: Mm. Okay.
1: Um,
0: So... I was thinking that we can listen to this interview with Samara and then you can just comment on, and we can have a discussion afterwards. Mm -hmm. Good morning. Good morning. Why don't you just start by introducing yourself? Um,
2: So my name is Samara um, and I'm an American um, originally from the New York City area. I moved to Stockholm about eight years ago with my husband and our three kids. Mm -hmm. Um, My husband is Swedish. So um, we decided to come to Sweden to have a better quality of life and a better work-life balance and to raise the kids um, in a bit of a safer culture and and closer to um, my husband's relatives. Um, And when I moved to Sweden, I did not have a job lined up. Prior to moving, I was home with the kids for a few years, taking a break from my professional career. And so my intention was to get back into the workforce and and continue my career here in in Sweden. To myself now, eight years later, maybe I should have read up on the culture more before coming to this country. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should have tried to understand the customs. Maybe I should have tried to understand how difficult it would be to find a job and how they Um, The hiring process here is very different, Um, you know. But then I I think back and I say some of these nuances and some of these experiences I've had, I don't think I would have been able to find out about them otherwise. There's nothing being written about how you'll be judged if you're a stay-at-home mom or you will be questioned because you're not working full-time and actually studying and trying to settle the household and get the kids integrated other things too. Um, things are slower here, so the time it takes to get things done, the laid-back attitude, and these things are these things are fine if you are already settled and you have your job and you have your routine. But when you're coming to a new country and time is of the essence to start making money, start working, learn the language quickly, etc., some of these things are frustrating. Hmm. This nonchalance and the um, laid back, laissez-faire, um, attitude about a lot of things. So that I don't think I would have ever even read about if I had done my
0: research. So- but well, let me ask you something then, before yeah. you moved, were you excited to move? Were you, what were your hesitations about moving?
2: I was excited to move. I wasn't hesitating at all. I looked at it as an adventure.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I looked at it as an opportunity to live in Europe and to enrich experiences in life, I wasn't looking at the challenges. I just assumed I'd be able to find a job no problem because I had visited Sweden prior on several occasions and everybody spoke English, everybody was welcoming, Um, but it's a lot different when you're settling in and you're trying to create a life. Then it's, you know, you're not the guest coming in for a visit where people are speaking English to you and they're charmed by where you come from and they're asking you stories. Then they start asking you, well, what skills do you have? And what does it mean that you were a project manager? Do you have a degree in project management? No, I have an MBA. What's an MBA? Is it like a college degree? I'm like, yes, it's a very prestigious and difficult to obtain master's degree actually. Mm. What do you mean by master's? Do you have a diploma? Is it a magister's? So there were a lot of questions about my experiences and my skills that I was shocked that I was getting. And at that point I was so resentful. I said, I already have an MBA and I have 10 plus years experience Quite in, in the- high-level jobs. So <laughs> I need to get my I need to get my master's degree approved mm. or translated. It was it was just um it was so shocking to me. Because I'm, I'm coming from the U.S. I'm not coming from, you know, an underdeveloped economy right. or an undeveloped country. Right. Yeah. And, and the schools I had gone to also were very well known internationally. We had international students as part of the student body. So it wasn't like I even came from a small little liberal arts school in the middle of the country. I, I went to school in Boston and in Washington, D.C. So the whole experience to me was very shocking and invalidating because I came here as an adult with three kids. I didn't come here as someone fresh out of university Mm -hmm. and to be told that I have to explain the titles and the companies I worked for to validate my master's degree, to explain what it means, even what's an MBA. um, And then be told by other parents, uh, you know, what are you doing all day? Was quite shocking for me and belittling. And it was um, depressing, to be honest. The first year was very, very, very difficult because here I came to this country with the right attitude. I came here to integrate and to experience things.
0: I had Swedish in-laws. And you had, um, had a good experience when you came to visit the first time. Yes, um,
2: lots of lots of nice experiences. Mm. So um and I'm not sure if um, if I would have done more research, I would have been more prepared for the closed labor market or the insularness of even people in Stockholm
0: with their assumptions. I don't think I would have discovered that ahead of time. You know, we just did an episode before this called Cultural Differences and, and how that influences your well being when you move to a new environment. And what a lot of people seem to discover, like, there's no information about the social norms and the codes and how to behave and, you know, what to expect and that in that sense, right? No, there isn't. There isn't. Learn on your own. And then it can be such a, a shock. Not what you're expecting.
2: Yeah. And... Um... You know, on the one hand, as I talked to more internationals that I met in my classes, that I met in these moms groups, my experience was not unique. And so when you start hearing these other people's stories and their experiences, you realize, wow, there's something really wrong here. Hmm. Or maybe it's always going to be like this when you move to a new country. I don't know. I don't have the experience of living in other countries as an expat. Um So in my mind, I always said to myself, be patient, if you would have moved to Italy or France or the UK, maybe you would have experienced the same things as an immigrant trying to make yourself relevant, get back into the workforce. Maybe this is not a unique experience. So there was always those two sides, um, things I was hearing that were reinforcing my experiences and making me feel like something's really wrong here. And then this other rational side of me that said, you know what, maybe it's not better if you would have moved to Germany or if you would have moved to somewhere else. It's probably very similar with mm. norms and difficulty in getting the job and the time it takes to be um, accepted that you're speaking the language correctly and that it gets you somewhere
0: versus just coffee talk.
2: Um, so there was always that uh, what conversation. Was
0: like, yeah, what was it like for you to express yourself in Swedish? Were you struggling <laughs> and would you sort of... Because some people have talked about like, you know, speaking in a foreign language that you're just learning, you feel like you're a child speaking, right? Because it's hard to express yourself on the same intellectual level. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, because it took me a while to get a job and because I had all these skills and I was highly educated, um... And because I'm in marketing and communications and writing and speaking and languages is is my top skill. I often switch to English just to prove that I am intelligent and I am a quality person and I am skilled. Um, Because when I did speak Swedish, there definitely was an assumption that I was ignorant or that I was undereducated or... And I was even told this by by Swedish friends, you know what, just switch to English because um, a lot of Swedes will assume you're uneducated when you speak at this level. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. And they said, besides, your English is actually very beautiful and um, you have an American accent and you come across as yourself and much more intelligent. I said, okay. well, that's a shame because back in the US, we're so used to people speaking English in all kinds of accents. And we don't think that they're any less intelligent because they make a mistake or they have an accent.
1: Mm.
2: And that sort of kind of hit home with me. And I said, you know what? I don't think Swedes are used to hearing their language spoken by immigrants. So when they do, instead of the knee-jerk reaction being that's so brave of you, that's fantastic that you're learning our language. Nobody moves to Sweden knowing Swedish. It's not a world language like French or Spanish or Arabic. Um, Instead, they sort of assume that you're undereducated and they assume you're kind of immigrant um, that's undereducated. So that was kind of a shock to me that um, there isn't that insight among the locals that, nobody comes to their language to their country speaking this language
0: right and everyone's going to have an accent that's an interesting point right because sweden's only in the last what 20 30 40 years that we've had this influx of immigration and america that's that's what america is all about is immigration having people move there from all different places and Yeah, um, and and the thing that
2: struck me also is that, um, especially Stockholm, it paints itself as an international city, Mm -hmm. it depicts itself as an international city. There are a lot of international companies here. It's a mixed population. It's not an insular country town. Um, And I would argue even the other big cities in, in Sweden are very similar. There's a mix of people more so than in the small towns. And so when you have immigrants, striving to learn the language and attempting to use it in daily life and in business settings, you would think that there would be an acceptance and a tolerance that these people are not necessarily unintelligent, they're just struggling with the language um, and we should be more tolerant. So that just kind of struck me as um, contradictory, that they want to be international, they say that they're international, they welcome other cultures, but not really. Mm. (laughs) And so, you know, experience after experience, you can't help but feel like you're being cut down and you start questioning, well, what are my skills? What is my value here? Do I have a place? Um, I thought I was an educated, smart person. I'm not being seen that way here, no matter how hard I try. Uh, Even when I do try to speak Swedish, people want to show off that they know English, so they switch. Even when I don't even open my mouth, they look at me and they start speaking English because I can't possibly be a Swede. Mm -hmm. I've got dark hair and dark eyes. That's happened a lot also. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's this feeling that you're never going to be accepted here. Because you don't look like us. You don't talk like us. Hmm. And my personal story is that after I did intensive Swedish for a year, five days a week, four hours a day, very advanced level, um, and I still wasn't getting anywhere with getting interviews. I did two things. I started an organization to help other people like myself um, understand the keys to getting into the labor markets. And we did everything from mentorship programs to go to Amidalan and do presentations about the lost talent that you're not tapping into kind of a thing. Um, LinkedIn group now has over 2,000 members. Uh-huh. We had a website for a while where we were doing social activities, networking activities, educational activities for people. And this was all cost-free, and we were doing it as a way to keep active, keep our skills sharp, practice the language, and network. So I have an amazing network of international people at this point uh-huh. from all the wonderful people that I've met. But I did that and at the same time, because I wasn't getting any interviews, just like my fellow colleagues were not getting any interviews, mm-hmm. I did um, at Arcus hook School of a program, which is what we call a trade school. It's a diploma program where you're just studying to become something. And I chose social media communications because it's within marketing and that's my field And I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to learn Swedish vocabulary within my field and I'm going to have a chance to do two internships. Maybe that'll turn into a foot in the door somewhere. So, um, again, I went in with the right attitude and I humbled myself to do this diploma program. I remember my first day I looked around the room and I said, wow, these are all 19 year olds who chose not to go to university who didn't have the grades to get into university, but wanted to spend 18 months to become a social media manager. Um, And I could basically stand up in front of the class and teach at this point (laughs) in terms of business, social media, marketing, the models, you name it, because I had the experience and the advanced degree. But yet because of the language, because I was an immigrant, because I was told you need to get a practique, an internship to get a foot in the door somewhere, because I didn't have experience from this country. I tolerated it for 12 months. My first internship was at an ad agency where I worked for eight weeks um, as a social media researcher and analyst and I worked in Swedish, no problem. My second internship turned into a full-time job. So in that sense, it was a good story. And then I worked my way up and I corrected my salary because they paid me um, too low to begin with, but I was happy just to get a job. Mm. Um, So back in SFE class, they passed out this article that said it takes three to seven years for an immigrant to get a job in Sweden. Wow. And this caused an uproar in the class. What do you mean Mm. three to seven years? This particular class is full of people with master's degrees and international experience. It's going to take us seven years. Mm. And then they gave us another statistic saying, um, there's a higher rate of unemployment against immigrants versus the locals. Okay, that was expected. But then half of immigrants wind up working in jobs that they're overqualified for. Mm. So not only does it take them longer to get a job, not only is the unemployment rate higher for them, but when they do get a job, they're usually paid less and at jobs that are below their levels compared to what they came into the country knowing how to do and having done. So for me, I said, "Okay, I did it in three years—not bad." <laughs> but I had to do it in three years. Why? I wound up working internationally anyway. I wound up working in English for international companies and using my the skills I came in with. Mm-hmm. Um, shame on Sweden that they wasted me for three years and they forced me to study with 19-year-olds and do two internships before somebody gave me a chance to become a marketing manager. And before. I was already a marketing manager, managing a budget of a million dollars and working to market in 21 markets in the U.S. 21 markets in the U.S. is a lot more than 9 million people in Sweden and doing marketing in Sweden. So for me, I just felt like um, I was one of the lucky ones, but it took a lot of blood, sweat and tears. I mean, I started an organization, I did a practique, I did a diploma, I studied intensively for a year at a pace that was unrelentless. And I had three kids, and a husband and a marriage and a house. So I was able to do it, but I can't expect that everyone is going to be able to do it like I did it. It's impossible. Yeah. So yeah, I believe it takes five years, seven years, who knows, I still know people that are struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's this trying to raise awareness and trying to raise consciousness. Tell me about this organization that you started. Sure. Um, we started it in 2014. Um, my, um, my friend and I, who were in the same Swedish for immigrants class, it's called Sveriges Internationella Talanger, Sweden's International Talents. And we were very engaged in the beginning. It was all pro bono. And we did internship not internships. we did um, mentorship programs. we did lectures, we went to Almedlin and did a, a storytelling campaign and we were on this st- we were on the stage. Um, just talking about the value of immigrants. we visited different companies. we um, encouraged them to recruit from our talent pool, all pro bono. We had a website, a blog, all of the stuff that I ran. But after a while, it became very difficult. Um, it became very difficult to, to continue that on a pro bono level when I was looking for a position right. myself right. and studying and, and taking a diploma. So at the moment, it's just a LinkedIn group and um, it's back to its basics. It's no longer a registered organization with, um, you know, charging charging fees for different things and, and trying to develop programs. It's more of just a LinkedIn group where you can go And have a forum to ask questions, to learn what's going on, to understand the reality here of Mm. um, being successful in the labor market.
0: That's wonderful. So everybody sort of shares their experiences and tries yes, to help and it's each other. A sa-
2: it's a safe place to ask questions um, and also to understand. Uh, we have a lot more active members that are working in diversity and um, inclusiveness that are very active in the group. And so they're always posting reports. They're posting new studies that are coming out, uh, initiatives, programs that are available to help you get a foot in the door. Um, so it's really member-led in terms of content, um, I'm not as active as, as perhaps I should be at the moment, but I've got my hands full.
0: Yeah. What a wonderful project that you started this organization. And now, you know, people find a way to get some kind of guidance and help. Into now. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think in conclusion, I would say that um, if you go anywhere with the right attitude and you determine from the onset that you will succeed, and you will be a strong person, then you will be. Mm. I think there are challenges even when you move to a different city within your own country. Mm. So I think that taking on an experience like this with the right attitude helps you survive. And then finding other people that are also in the same situation, that are also experiencing things, helps validate your impressions, that you're not crazy, you are actually seeing these differences, you are experiencing discrimination for the first time in your life, having to use a Swedish last name to get an interview, things like that, like you realize that, yes, this is the reality, not just for me, I'm not being singled out, but a lot of people are experiencing this. Mm. And that helps also in terms of maintaining your sanity that you're not crazy realizing all these things.
1: Mm.
2: And then lastly, trying to find the shortcuts so that you can thrive. And those shortcuts could be finding other expats to be friends with looking for Swedes who, for example, are married to international people. So naturally are more open um, going after international companies to work in um, finding clubs and activities that you enjoy anyway, and being brave enough to socialize with people regardless of how they react back to you. Mm. And, um, Trying to create a social life for yourself without even giving it a thought as to, will I be accepted or not? Finding the shortcuts and and realizing that, yes, you're here, um, but you can still be happy, but you just have to sort of do it on the outskirts because it's not going to be handed to you and it's not a part of everyday life here like you're used to back home.
0: Mm, Right. You have to work pretty hard. Right. To create that happiness. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you have thank to be strong. So, right. Thank you so much, Samara, for sharing all your insights and your experiences. Over You're very the, welcome. And um, wishing you all the best. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. So now, Crystal, we just heard uh, Samara explain what it was like for her to come here from New York with an MBA and, and trying to learn the language and find a job here. What what are your thoughts about about her experience?
1: Well, unfortunately, this experience uh, she's not the only one to to face that. It's uh, it's quite known that it's really hard for either expat people that have you know really good diplomas, really good experience abroad to come here and be faced with indifference and non-recognition for all their achievements in the past. And I've also heard that it's also difficult for Swedes that have worked abroad uh, and for many years and then come back and then expect to be able to be hired for similar positions here and also not being recognized for what they have achieved. So it, it is really tough. And I think, I think the Swedish society is starting to recognize that there is really an issue. Uh, around diversity in the workplace. Uh, I think, and this is my personal opinion, but that they, the Swiss, wants to think that they are open-minded, that they are welcoming others into their society. And I think they are actually not uh, doing it. And not to the extent that is needed for someone to feel that they are welcomed. And I think welcoming people in the workplace Means that you're open to different experiences. That you're open to people maybe not having the same degree, not having gone to the Stockholm School of Economics or some of the well-known you know, Swedish universities, and so on. So, I think there is a, a lot of work to be done there, from uh, internal to the organizations and, and companies, to to see people in with different light and to use a different type of filter. Uh, and and I think. I think the network is also something that, uh, or hiring through network is also something that makes it much harder for people here to find jobs. Hmm. Um, so I, I, you know, my advice to, you know, people that have tried uh, and and uh, I think there's, at some point there's a decision to be made. Like, do do you continue to try to get into the job market uh, with your experience and the diplomas that you have, or do you you try a different strategy by uh, doing something else or starting from the the ground up again? Um, I think it's different for everyone. For some people, it's it's easier to feel like, okay, I'm gonna take a fresh start and, and try to see the opportunities where they are. And others they just need to find out their niche into there. like who is the person that is going to finally let them in? Mm. So I think it's it really depends on people, but it it is a very tough. I uh, think people feel very uh, like lose a lot of their self-esteem and self-confidence through that. Right. Uh, so it's important to have a good support network. And also to find this is what I I advise to people find volunteering opportunities where your skills are used and recognized. So you don't just end up being at home searching for jobs and getting turned down, but also feel that you're contributing to something in the meantime.
0: Well, I mean, look at what Samara was sharing. I mean, the experience, I mean, the volunteer work that she was doing and starting that organization and she was very proactive and, I mean I think she's quite a, a determined person you have to be quite determined and you know persevere even when the going gets tough and you feel like you are being sort of pushed down and not being recognized for all your mm. achievements that you have accomplished in your life it's hard it's very hard like you said yeah. on your own self esteem
1: mm. Absolutely and and I think what people over uh, always underestimate is is time the, the notion of time that it's extremely uh it can take an extremely long time to find to find a job here. And there, there are some horrendous statistics about
0: <laughs> you know, how
1: long it takes for, for foreigners to find jobs here, depending obviously on their level of education and so on. Um, but uh, with in my experience, like it usually takes more than a year uh, for someone that has some skills that are quite easily transferable or so I think if you're, if you're having an academic background, it's even harder. If you're in a niche industry, it's even harder. Uh, if you have no experience at all, I mean, a lot of people come here and they just graduated, it's even harder. So I think the notion of time and you think that this is not going to be a three-month quick process. You know, this is going to take maybe a year, maybe more than a year. So what, how do you set your life and, and um, set yourself for that time? Mm. Uh, so so because you're going to be turned down it's going to be really hard there'll be lots of ups and downs so you need to have something else in your life than your job search
0: right um yeah i think yeah when you come here i mean there's just so many new things right to build your own network of friends and you know find your place there's so many things that are are new in the culture and mm. language everything um so I think it's just really trying to find some kind of, you know, way of integrating in the beginning. And like you said, you know, cause you do need some kind of support network. You need to be able to talk to other people that have similar experiences, but also cause sometimes, you know, it can be that you end up just complaining about how horrible it is and you have that kind of group, but that can yes. also get you stuck in that, that way of thinking. So um, you sort of have to find a group that's also trying to integrate and trying to find some kind of positive uh, approach mm-hmm. in the difficulties of navigating.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's you're absolutely right. Um, and I think it's it's of course it's easier to reach out to your own community. So you know your people from your nationality as a first step. Mm. But I think uh, I would recommend not to stop there, but to really see how can you leverage uh, you know, this network to get to the next step, which would be the Swedes. Um, because it's by knowing people that have integrated into the Swedish society or that are all Swedish themselves that you also increase your chances of finding work. So. I think sometimes we feel it, we need the comfort, of national people, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it's that you don't want to stay on the edge uh, of the Swedish society. I think you really need to push through and, and try to be visible um, mm-hmm. there as well. Mm-hmm. So
0: thank you, Crystal, for today. Um, is there anything else before we end? I just and I want you to also to just let us know how to find you, tell the listeners how to contact you?
1: So you, you can find me if you Google Christelle Pottinger, or I think if you Google Stockholm career coach, I think you, you you would find me. Otherwise I'm on LinkedIn as well. So it's it's fairly, fairly simple. Um, I would say for all those looking for a job right now, from a couple of weeks from now on, it's going to be, You know, the big summer break that all Swedes long for. So take a break as well. I think a job search is also sometimes like a full-time job. So you need to take breaks to re-energize, to do something else, to uh, focus on your family, your friends, enjoying being in this country. So take a break as well so you can come back in August re-energized and ready again to adapt for the hundredth time your CV <laughs> uh, so yeah I think that's that's my advice if you really feel like you can't do it anymore then just stop take a break and do something else
0: yeah that sounds like a great great plan for the summer for everyone <laughs> yes <laughs> well so nice to see you Crystal thank you for joining us today
1: well, thanks for having me and good luck to everyone who's who's looking for something. I, I have a strong belief that we all have a place in this society. So eventually you will find it.
0: Mm-hmm. That sounds good. All right. Take care. Thank you. So we hope this episode was helpful for everyone out there who is an expat looking for a job understanding that it can be very challenging and difficult. Um, there seems to be a very good support network out there, as Samara talked about, this group on the LinkedIn. And um, you also have Crystal Pottinger as a career coach that can help guide you through the job market. Please subscribe to our podcast and tell your friends about it. Uh, we'd really like to hear your comments or suggestions for future episodes. You can contact us on info at turning-point.se. Thank you for today. Wishing everybody a wonderful summer. Take care, everybody.